Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want you to get your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. This message has been on my mind all week. Uh, My family took some time off. We went down to the beach, took my mom down there just to get out of town and decompress a little bit after what we've been through with the loss of my dad. And uh, while I was there, the Lord uses different ways, I won't explain it, to inspire preachers. And he inspired me to bring this message to you today. Um, The last time I preached to you, I was fired up and all over the map. That's a great thing about being a Pentecostal preacher. But today, I want to preach, teach to you. I, I, I came today fully intending to say this. Will you let me help you in your walk with the Lord today? That's what I want to do. Will you, will you just let me help you in your walk with the Lord? That's what I want to do today. Josh, I don't know I'm going to do this, but God bless you, son. This young man lost his daddy tragically last week. We've been walking this thing together, haven't we, buddy? I'm praying for you. The Lord will help you and Bree. Love you all so much. Praise God. Y'all remember that young man in prayer. So Matthew chapter 7, let's just dig into it. Therefore, verse 24, Therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine, of course Jesus is speaking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Thank you. You could be seated. You've been standing a while. I'm, I'm preaching today, build your life on Jesus. There are basically two kinds of people in this world. Now, anytime anyone says that, that means we can fill in the blanks with whatever we want. There are basically two kinds of people in this world, right? But I'm going to fill in that blank with something from this text. There are basically two kinds of people in this world. There are those who are saved and obey God's word. And the second group, the rest, are those who don't obey God's word. That's it. Either you do what he says or you don't. Either you have a lifestyle of obedience or you have a lifestyle of disobedience. That's what Jesus is saying in this little story. Now, those who are saved and obey God's word, we again, we know they're living for the Lord. Those who don't, most of those in this second group are not saved. Okay, well, you, you wouldn't expect a sinner to obey the Bible and what Jesus says. Now, some people in this group claim to be saved. Uh-oh. They claim to be saved They claim some kind of connection with God, but they're disobeying what Jesus says to do. So here's the reality, a little straight preaching here, shooting from the hip, 
if you don't obey God and you live a life of sin, you are not saved. We just need to make that clear because there are some people that have blurred those lines and think that because they prayed a prayer when they were five, that for some reason they're saved, they're automatically right with the Lord, but they don't talk like somebody who's been transformed. They don't think like somebody whose life has been revolutionized by Christ. They don't act like people who have been born again. As a matter of fact, there's not a whole lot of difference between what they were before they got saved and now that they are saved. Well, the reason is it's because they're not saved. And Jesus describes these two groups of people in a different way. He separates them into wise people and foolish people. So again, I'm preaching teaching today. I want us I want us to just grab a hold of the simple truths to help us in our walk with the Lord. You know, I, can I stop and say something to y'all? I'm just, I got to get stuff out. I, I, I have a degree. I have, a, I have an undergraduate degree. I have a graduate degree. I've studied theology at a graduate level. I appreciate theology. I do. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a great uh, uh, advocate for, for theology, sound theology, deep doctrine. And, I, and if you want to talk about soteriology, pneumatology, eschatology, demonology, angelology, numerology, baby, I'm right there with you. If you want to talk about things being Christological and missionological and evangelical, if you want us to go down that road, I'm with you. If you want to do a hermeneutical breakdown of a text, we'll do lexical syntactical analyses all day long. I'm there. Okay? So I appreciate sound doctrine. I do. I appreciate, I've studied it ad nauseum. And I bring that to this pulpit most of the time. But you know what I thought of? Theology is the study of God, and then the other meaning of theology is the study of the Bible, the things of God. God. Isn't it amazing that the God who spoke just used simple little stories? We theologians take it deep, and we need to, because sometimes we need to go there, and we need to, we need to systematize some things. If we don't, that's how false doctrines get started. But it's amazing that the Son of God came and never talked about pneumatology and soteriology. He just talked about two guys building houses. So at the risk of sounding like I'm preaching, because my preaching, I know, is simple. And yet it's always theological. Do you ever notice that? Well, what good's theology if you can't leave here and take it home and do something with it? I don't know why I'm saying all this. I'm just getting it off my chest. Things that were in my mind as I was studying this. I thought Jesus just told these simple stories with powerful truths. So he separates the two groups, again, in the wise people and the foolish people. So let's look at this. A wise man is the one who hears Jesus' words and does them. He keeps his word. He attempts to do the will of God daily. A foolish man or woman is the one who hears Jesus' words and does not do what he says to do. That person ignores what Jesus says. That person has no impetus to do God's will. He or she does exactly what they want to do. And for some, it may be so easy to downplay the whole obedience to God thing. But you better be careful because that's a dangerous thing to do. Because there are significant and eternal consequences to that kind of attitude, and I think this story shares that. So to illustrate this wise group, foolish group, 
of pe- groups of people. Jesus tells a story of two men. Again, he, he says one is wise and one is foolish. Now, two, two things are very common in this story. Both men built houses for themselves. And I, I, my mind, you know, you know, my mind, bless my heart, because <laughs> uh, the way my mind works is scary. But I started thinking, because I've, I've built things and built, you know, th- been through building programs. I'm thinking now, Jesus doesn't tell the style of house. We don't know if it was a ranch house. We don't know if it was a, 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 a you know, a classic southern home. We just, we don't know. I don't know all the terms for houses, but he, he doesn't tell nothing about the house style. We don't know if it had brick or stucco or hardy board. We don't know anything about it. We don't know the square footage of the houses. We don't know how many rooms are in the houses. You know, because you don't have any rooms and how many bathrooms, right? Three bedroom, two bath. We don't know. We don't know if there was a swimming pool. Because you know they had swimming pools back then. We don't know if it was a fenced-in backyard. We don't know if there was a closed-in garage or just a carport. We don't know any of these things. They were probably two very different houses. But I think the point that I get from this is that to Jesus, because there are spiritual truths in Jesus' story, the houses represented each man's life. And if this is the case, then each one of us is building a house. Your house is your life, composed of your education, your career choice, your social life, etc. It includes your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, your pleasures, your finances, your thrills, your decisions. It's life. Both houses also experience rain, floods, and wind. Both built houses, both houses battered by the storm. And I think the point here is to Jesus. The storms represent the troubles of life, the trials, the difficulties, the adversity, the spiritual resistance that will come from Satan, spiritual battles. And how many of you in this room know, regardless of your age or how long you've served the Lord, everybody in here will experience storms? If you haven't yet, hang on. They're coming. I remember Jensen Franklin said one time, he said, I have learned that when I get through something, I have learned to enjoy the good times because he said somewhere around the corner is the next bad thing that's coming. And that's just life. Bad things do happen to good people. So tough times, difficulties, crises of your faith will happen, spiritual attacks, adversity. I was reminded of something, and I looked it up on the Internet. We're going to have a little fun. Is it okay if we have a little fun for a minute? I remember hearing this years ago when I was a teenager. So this story's been around for decades. You've probably heard it. If you haven't, you're going to enjoy it. It's called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. You just sit back and enjoy this. I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard, and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. And I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At breakfast, Anthony found a Corvette Stingray car kit in his breakfast cereal box, and Nick found a junior undercover agent code ring in his breakfast cereal box, but in my breakfast cereal box, all I found was breakfast cereal. I think I'll move to Australia. In the carpool, Mrs. Gibson let Becky have a seat by the window. Audrey and Elliot got seats by the window, too. I said I was being scrunched. 
I said, if I don't get a seat by the window, I'm going to be car sick. But no one even answered. I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At school, Mrs. Dickens liked Paul's picture of the sailboat better than my picture of the invisible castle. At singing time, she said I sang too loud. At counting time, she said I left out 16. Who needs 16? I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I could tell because Paul said I wasn't his best friend anymore. He said that Philip Parker was his best friend and Albert Moyo was his next best friend and that I was only his third best friend. I hope you sit on a tack, I said to Paul. I hope the next time you get a double-decker strawberry ice cream cone, the ice cream part falls off the cone part and lands in Australia. There were two cupcakes in Philip Parker's lunch bag, and Albert got a Hershey bar with almonds, and Paul's mother gave him a piece of jelly roll that had little coconut sprinkles on the top. Guess whose mother forgot to put in dessert? It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And that's what it was because after school, my mom took us all to the dentist and Dr. Fields found a cavity just in me. Come back next week and I'll fix it, said Dr. Fields. Next week, I said, I'm going to be in Australia. On my way downstairs, the elevator door closed on my foot. And while we were waiting for my mom to get the car, Anthony made me fall where it was muddy. And then when I started crying because of the mud, Nick said I was a crybaby. And while I was punching Nick for saying crybaby, my mom came back with the car and scolded me for being muddy and fighting. I'm having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I told everybody, no one even answered. So then we went to the shoe store to buy some sneakers. And Anthony chose white ones with blue stripes, and Nick chose red ones with white stripes, and I chose blue ones with red stripes, but then the shoe man said, we're all sold out. And they made me buy plain old white ones, but they can't make me wear them. When we picked up my dad at his office, he said I couldn't play with his copying machine, but I forgot. He also said to watch out for the books on his desk, and I was as careful as I could be except for my elbow. He also said don't fool around with his phone, but I think I called Australia. My dad said please don't pick him up anymore. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. There were lima beans for dinner, and I hate lima beans. There was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. I hate my railroad train pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep, and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not with me. It has been a terrible Horrible, no good, very bad day. My mom says some days are like that, even in Australia. I thought you'd appreciate that. You are going to have some terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. Now, while you're thinking about that, go back to the story. Both men built houses. Both houses were slammed by torrential rains, hurricane force winds, floodwaters. 
But there were two different results. The wise man's house withstood the storm while the foolish man's house collapsed in ruin. And Jesus said, here are the reasons. The wise man built his house on a rock, a solid foundation. And the foolish man built his house on sand, an unstable foundation. And I know enough about building that the first thing you do is you've got to lay a solid foundation. Down south, we love to do crawl spaces. A lot of other places in the country, they just pour a concrete slab, then put the house up. It's a solid foundation. We like to do crawl spaces, but still, you outline the house, and then you pour concrete into that trench, and then you put the blocks up on that concrete to create the, the, the crawl space. Either way, it is a common, commonly understood concept in building that you've got to have a solid foundation. And what made the wise man wise is that he built his house on the rock instead of the sand. And the spiritual application is that he obeyed Jesus' words. Listen to me. That's the rock. The foundation. When you have a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day, How do you withstand it? Is that you obey Jesus. Conversely, what made the foolish man foolish is that he built his house on the sand instead of the... He could have built his house on the rock, but he just decided to build it on sand. And the spiritual application is that he disobeyed Jesus' words. That's the sand. Listen to the preacher. So when you choose not to obey them, this is not just for sinners... This is for Christian people who are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you decide, don't be surprised when bad results come from your misconduct. Because you've built your house, you've made decisions on an unstable platform. You've done what God said not to do, or you failed to do what God said to do. And be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For if you of the flesh, if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you will of the spirit reap life everlasting. There are choices in what we do. So here are my lessons from this story. It's not important the house that you build, but what you build it upon. It's not important the house that you build, but what you build it upon. So here's an evangelistic moment with all of my heart and my passion. If you're here today and you're not saved and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, I got, I, got, I got some words for you. I got a warning, but it's also good news. Build your life on Jesus. Give your life to Christ. You think you got it all going on right now, but you see the times when there are bad consequences and things are shaky and and you've had some rough patches and you've wondered how you even barely made it through. I'm telling you, listen to me. You were created to have a relationship with God. It's the whole point of you sucking in oxygen. And if you don't have a relationship with God, your, your life is never, I don't care how much money you make, I don't care how much you accumulate, Listen to me, your life will never 
you know, you can marry your trophy wife or your knight in shining armor and have the most beautiful, wonderful children in the world. Listen to me. It won't matter. It won't matter. You've got to have a relationship with it. Everything changes. When you, that's when life starts making sense because life is supposed to revolve around him, not your career, not your business, not your, not your boyfriend, girlfriend, not your husband, wife, not your kids. I've seen people, their life, whole life revolves around their children. You know you can make an idol out of your children? You sure you still want to go to church here? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to help you with your walk with God. So if you're not saved, get saved. For those of us who are saved, live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. And that's not some euphoric kind of, yeah. My little cheerleader move. Give me an L. Give me an I. Live for Jesus. No, it's live for Jesus. When you get up in the morning, all through the day, when you go to bed at night, Go to bed and say, okay, today I live for Jesus. Go to sleep, get up and do it again the next day. Make him Lord of all. Make him the leader. Listen, can I just say this while y'all listen to me? Build in everything you are and all you do into him rather than trying to make him fit into your life. There is a difference. Meditate on it. There's a difference. You, you got all your plans and all the things you're doing. Then, Lord, bless, Lord, will you just bless what I'm doing? And the Lord says, but what if I don't want you doing that? What if I want you to do it this way? What if I want you to do, what if I want you to conduct your business different than the way you're doing? What if I want you to do things different in your marriage than the way you're, what if I want you to raise your kids different? What if I want you to handle your finances different than the way Amen, Pastor. Soft amen. It's not important the house you build. It's what you build it upon. Second lesson, storms can move sand, but they can't move a rock formation. I've watched those who are unsaved experience life's trials, and I've watched them collapse physically, mentally, emotionally. I've seen storms hit them and their marriages collapse. I've watched their families collapse. I've watched their careers collapse. I've watched their finances collapse. I've seen their dreams collapse, the empire crumble, and the thrills disappear. And I've watched the people of God go through the worst experiences you can imagine. I've watched some of you where your finances were drained. I've seen some of you stretched to the limits. Some of you, I have wondered how you kept your sanity, and yet you just kept going, and I know why. You made it through the rain. You made it through the storm intact, and sometimes I've watched you even come out of it stronger than when you went into it. Now, what's the difference because when your life is built on the rock with the capital R, 
and then you live daily on the rock, lowercase r, of doing what the Lord says to do, that even in the storm, you still keep serving him. Job went through hell and high water. His wife said, why don't you curse God and die? He said, oh, no, you don't run from God when you're in the storm. You run to him. This is not the time you quit doing the right thing. This is the time more than ever you just keep doing the right things and say, even though he kills me himself, yet will I serve him and trust him. That's what you do. You say, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep serving the Lord. If you're standing on the rock, the storm won't move you. Listen, I'm not telling you that living for Jesus will inoculate you from experiencing terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. I'm not telling you that. It's quite the opposite. But doing what's right will provide a foundation to help you ride out whatever you go through in this life. So, it's not important the house that you build, but what you build it upon. Storms can move sand, but they can't move a rock formation. And here's my third point. It pays to obey. How do you stand on the rock? You do what Jesus tells you to do. I'm preaching to an American audience. I'm preaching to, believe it or not, an affluent audience. And you may not think you're that rich, but let's get on a plane and let me take you to some places in Honduras. You'll change your mind real quick. You live in a double-wide trailer. You're rich. Because I can take you to some places that people live in that you'd put your tools in in the backyard. It's a shed. So if you're in a double-wide trailer and you're driving a car, you're, you're, you have affluence. So I'm preaching to an American audience. But I want you to understand about what I'm about to say. And I've preached this before, but I felt like, obviously, you have to preach things over and over again. There is nothing wrong, and I would encourage you to pursue your dreams. I would encourage you to get lots of education. I'm going to brag on him, but the young man who stood here playing that guitar and led us this morning just got hooded last week with his Ph.D. and his doctorate. You got a Ph.D. up here leading us into the presence of the Lord And I'm proud of him for that. And as proud as he is for that, I think he enjoys even more getting up here singing for Jesus because he knows that Ph.D. one day won't matter, but what he does for the Lord will go into eternity. I love that attitude. Get lots of education. I'm all for education. You know that. Make lots of money. Then pay your tithes. Does that sound like something a preacher would say? It does, doesn't it? No, make lots of money. If you can make money, make it. Possess lots of things. If you can buy, now don't get in debt. If you get in debt, that's dumb. Okay, don't get in debt. When you got more month and you do money, you're in trouble. Don't do that. Have a family. Get married first. Have a family. And I'm going to say something. Just laugh with me. Build your empire. Now, I say that very loosely. There's some, there's some uh, facetiousness there, Elder. Build your empire. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I say that to mean in that whole compilation of that vision of you have for your life, go for it. As long as you have the blessing of God and God is saying, yes, you're within my will, go for it. 
You look at Job, who I mentioned. Job was a wealthy man. Sometimes we think you got to be poor to be a Christian. You, 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 there are poor Christians. There are middle-class Christians. There isn't a right or wrong. But if you can achieve things in life, accumulate things, go for it. Go for your dreams. It's all for it. But let me remind you what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, who had it all and did have a real empire and had more money than you could ever dream of getting. He said, I've tried it all, done it all, been there, done that, and owned the T-shirt shop. There's nothing you could ever have tried that I haven't tried. I've got more wisdom than anybody in this whole world that God has given me. But here's what I found out. Work hard, eat, sleep, drink, enjoy the fruit of your labor. But he said, at the end of the day, you better every day fear God and keep his commandments. That's what he said. Richest, most powerful man in the world who had it all said, one day we all die and it doesn't matter anymore. That's what he said. He said, and I don't know who's going to get everything I've got and what they're going to do with it. They may waste it all away. And I'm dead and gone. He said, so much of life is meaningless. Listen to me. But there's one thing you do that's always meaningful. It gives purpose to every day, and it'll go all the way into eternity, and that is fear God, keep his commandment. Do what he tells you to do. So come to church, read your Bible, get in a life group or a small group, pray, worship, volunteer in a ministry, witness for Jesus. But most of all, listen and learn God's word and then do what it says. That's what I got for you today. Sorry. That's it. Do what it says. Driving all that to drive home one point. Just read it. Listen to me when I preach. And then just do what it says. Don't argue with him. Don't compromise. I'm going to say it like this. Do the right thing. Say the right thing. Think the right thing. React in the right way. That, that's your goal every day. And you're not doing it without power or ability. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Woo! feel him right now. How many glad the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? Yeah, he's right here, right there. So I can do it. If I had to do it on my own, I don't think I could do it. Sometimes I struggle still doing it. He'll work me over real good. But I've learned by his power, I can do the right thing. Can I take you just a little bit further before we finish this? Listen to me. I'm really challenging you. I'm challenging me here. Obey God even if it hurts. Have you ever had to do that? You ever had to obey and it hurts? Ooh. Ooh. You had to tell the truth and oh, 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 it hurt. You had to do the right thing and oh, it hurt. Obey if it makes you uncomfortable. Y'all still with me? I mean, you don't get a lot of shout with this kind of preaching, but it'll get you to heaven. Obey. If it's inconvenient, 
Sir, ma'am, if you own your own business, obey God in how you conduct your business. Do the right thing. Do you know there's a mentality that can get in church people that says in every other area of my life, I'm going to do the right thing. But then when they go to work, because of learned behavior, because of the market, because of the pressure, because of the stress, because of the competitive nature of what they do, they think that they must do things that are morally wrong to do business. And if we're not careful, hold on. Amen, Pastor. That's good preaching. Keep going. Okay. And they think that they can put it, because, you know, men are, men are waffles and women are spaghetti. You know that, right? Okay, men are waffles, because we can take things and we put them in those little compartments in the waffle. We can just put things in little compartments, can't we, men? We just, we compartmentalize, put it over here. Women, y'all start one subject and 20 subjects later. You're in the same room two hours later. We can talk about a car for two hours. You can cover 20 subjects because y'all are more advanced than we are. You can multitask. See, we men, we're just cavemen, you know. We're just, you just got to put up with us. So men, if we're not careful, we create little waffles compartments and we'll, none of this is in my notes, but I'm preaching right now. And then we'll put in that little, we'll put our work in that little waffle and say, God can't touch this. And it can't touch this. And God says, You want to bet? Touch anything I want to. You got to learn in your business. Do the right thing. Yeah, but I, it'll hurt me. It'll hurt. No, it won't. It sure hurt Chick Fil A doing the, you know all the right things. Bless their hearts. Average McDonald's brings in like a million dollars a year, and the average Chick Fil A brings in three point five million dollars a year. Aren't those numbers right, Mister Former Restaurant Guy? That's what I was told by one who owns it, and some of them pull in $5 million a year. Do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Obey because you love Jesus. Don't do it. Don't do it out of duty, out of some kind of obligation, even though we are obligated. Do it because you love him. Like, if the Lord walked in right now, would you just walk up and slap him in the face? Not if you cherished your life. Okay? You wouldn't slap him in the face. You would bow down, worship him, and if he let you, you'd grab him and hug him and touch him and, and cry and probably cry like a baby. We all probably just cry like babies. Because the one who died for us showed up. That's why when he does show up one day and take us home, I think we'll have a big cry session before we finally start shouting. Because when I look at him and realize that 
you did what you did for me, and I didn't deserve it. I think I'm going to have a big cry session. Make fun of me if you want, but you'll be crying too. We do what we do for him because we love him. Musicians, come out wherever you come out from. So I close with this. Perhaps you've built your life on sand. You've you've listened to this today and you know you're not saved. You've ignored the will of God, the wisdom of God. You're living in rebellion against the Lord and consequently you've suffered the negative consequences. The storms of life have revealed the fragility of your life. You realize all your achievements and pursuits can be wiped out in one moment. Maybe this morning you're finally seeing that living for Jesus is the one thing that brings fulfillment now and for all eternity. And today is a day where I say to you, before we say the last amen and the benediction is stated, bow your head. You could do it right now and say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again. You paid sin's price for me. Please forgive me. Please change me. I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. You're the leader of my life. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, he'll wash your sins away and he'll change your life forever. The good news is you can build your life on the rock. Just for somebody in here today, maybe you were once on the rock and then you left that house and you went and built your life on sand. Let me tell you something today that I saw in this story. It's not there, but it it is. It's not, but it is. You can rebuild your life on the rock. You can rebuild. You kind of hope that the, the dummy who built his house on the sand, learned his lesson. While his, while his buddy over there, his neighbor's rock house is standing. Why did my fall? And yours stood. Because I built mine on the rock. Well, that's what I need to do. That's why it's important that we believers every day, wherever we are, do the right thing. Live for Jesus. Because when people's lives are falling apart, We're not perfect. We're never perfect. But we're just obedient. And we serve the Lord and we're growing. They look at us and they say, How come how come you made it through? You went through the same thing I did. You standing on the rock. Serving the Lord. Living for Jesus. And he'll say, She'll say, Can I have that? And you say, oh, yeah, come over here and let me talk to you. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. You can rebuild your life. Stand with me this morning. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.